0: on the hill catching fire from uh, like kitchen fire and the whole place was burned down and lit up the whole California hills. So I had to wait a night and then get up the next next morning and uh, buy a gas mask so I could keep on skating through. So I skated down the California hills while I was still sort of on fire.
1: Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. I don't always get stumped by uh, by naming an episode, um, but today's episode I was definitely, I didn't know what to call it. Damien has got to be in the running for the most interesting man in the world based on the adventures he's done, based on the stories that happen. Uh, the guy has been on the cover of Men's Health. He's been on The Bachelorette. He's been uh, kidnapped and held at ransom. He has run a marathon carrying a mattress on his back. He is, as of recent, and what we were talking about in this episode, jumping off a hot air balloon and skydiving from the top. He's skateboarded Route 66, as you know from the title, 2,500 miles across the U.S., and he has paddled 500 miles along the Australian coast um, in a, on a, on a paddleboard. And by the way, without a paddle, he just laid on the board and paddled with his hands, getting knocked off the board literally by sharks um, and having to fight them off and get back on the board before they eat him. And I'm not even exaggerating. That's the kind of stuff this guy does. And you ask what drives someone to be this crazy. And it is, uh, it is a lot of times a pretty traumatic childhood. Uh, Damien had a horrific start in life. Um, We're not going to get into detail Uh, of it here on this on this show. Uh, But he's done a ton of interviews. uh, And there's a lot of articles out there talking about the details. But to say the least, his childhood was probably one of the worst you can imagine. And that led him down a pretty dark road early in life, so much so that he had a heart attack at the age of 22 from the stress from the abuse to his body, and by the time he was in his 30s, he was ready to to change things, make make a difference, make make a change of some sort that, that led to something he was proud of. And that just randomly came in the idea of paddling 500 miles along the Australian coast. That was his first endurance experience ever and just decided to go towards it. Something he was absolutely terrified to do, by the way, and something that was definitely uh, a risk to his life in a lot of ways. But at the time, he says that, you know, I felt like I had nothing to live for anywhere. I felt like that that was just how I was going to find something in this life. So that experience led to so many incredible things. And all these adventures, by the way, are to help spread awareness about stopping child abuse so that kids don't have to go through what he went through at that age. Amazing guy, amazing story, really interesting episode. We don't really follow any specific threat or follow a specific adventure. Damien just kind of shares his knowledge all at once and, and as it comes. And, uh, but nonetheless, it's very good stuff. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And I hope that you are, at the very least when you walk away from here, uh, ha- have a few more nuggets of wisdom in your pocket and have a few more things to, to help you get out on your adventure and just make something happen. A lot of times it's all it is, you know, we, we, we try to learn something more or read a new book or get a new perspective, but a lot of times it is deciding to do something and going after it. So if Damien can help you learn in that way, great. Enjoy. But welcome to the show, Damien. How you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good mate, I'm good. Thanks for uh thanks for having.
1: Me. Yeah. So, so so tell us, you know, you're in, you're in Tennessee right now. Tell us what you're doing in Tennessee. By by the sound of your accent, you're not from Tennessee.
0: Nah, <laughs> just a little out, just a little outside of Tennessee, just a little south, called a uh, little place called Australia. There you go. So I'm just, uh, Yeah, from down under and uh, come over this way sort of a couple of years ago, I was sort of going back and forth and then Sort of going back and forth from uh, Mexico to here, like Tulum, Mexico. I travel down there a little bit and I do some training. I train some uh, young local kids in, uh, you know, sort of poor communities, how to box and sort of pull them out that way a little bit and uh, run some retreats and stuff down there. But uh, focus on my own my own training and uh, freediving in the cenotes and stuff like that down there. But, uh, you know, it's good. Like the world's starting to open up again and, you know, the travel, the adventure, the extreme sports and everything is starting to pop open again. So, which has been good and which is, uh, yeah, what's drawn me to, uh, to here in Memphis, where well, I'm actually in Nashville for a couple of days just sort of hanging out, doing some stuff, but uh, sort of based in Memphis while I do this uh, up-and-coming event anyway.
1: Well, t- well, tell us about the up-and-coming event. It involves a hot air balloon I, I want to I want to hear what 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 do you got going on? How how you feel about it? And what it's going to be?
0: So what I'm going to be doing in ten days from today, actually, well right over the weekend, there's a hot air balloon jamboree festival put on by Bluff City Balloons. On the Friday night, they've got a private function there called Special Night for Special Kids, and they're going to have 500 special needs kids and their families there for free night and, you know, light up the balloons at night and give little tethered rides and uh, other sort of carnival activities that, that are going on there. But I'm, uh, I'm going to have two custom-made jumpsuits. that I guess they're kind of like a modern-day evil Knievel type of suit. So they're white with some blue and red and some stars on them. And i to have them on display so these uh, 500 kids can come up and write and draw and sign on, uh, on both the suits that I'm going to wear on the following days, on Saturday and Sunday. So then on the Saturday at 5 a.m., I'm going to climb up on top of a hot air balloon, so not in the basket, up on top of the envelope and uh, raise up to an altitude that no one's really gone before, standing on top of a hot air balloon, I guess. And then once I reach that um, maximum altitude, I'll just um, walk off, step off the edge and skydive back down to the earth. So that's kind of the plan for the Saturday. And then uh, on Sunday, uh, we're going to go up again with about 30 balloons in the morning for a mass ascension and just uh, go up again and cruise along. So that'll only be about three to 4,000 feet. But we'll cruise along for, you know, 45 minutes sort of thing, flying along with them so all the other balloons can see what's going on. And then that night, I'll go up again just uh, – a bit of an activity for the kids. And again, like while the balloons are sort of lighting up and everything, 30 balloons are lighting up, I'll be standing up on on top of one of those again. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It's different than uh, the other sort of adventure sports that I've done. You know, most of in the last six years have been ultra endurance events or multi-day endurance events. So this has taken me back to more extreme sports and it's something new for me. You know, like I've, I've had to learn how to skydive to, to do this one which is which was interesting as well and I uh, just really like the process of of what i need to go through to be comfortable to be able to do that part of this uh little challenge that i've got coming up on the saturday
1: to say that your your challenges were a little different than this is is an understatement i mean they've been they've been different from each other just as much as they are different from this uh this all begs the question on how you got into this what are you doing this for this is uh this is some wild stuff, man. So, um, that's what you got coming up. Absolute most, most, you know, soonest, but take us back to to what started this all off. I know it was a paddleboard trip and I know it was along mm-hmm. Australia's Eastern coast, but, um, why do you do these things?
0: So I went through like a pretty violent childhood, you know, for ages of six or nine, basically like lived on the streets and off and on. And, you know, I, I That's what sort of forced me into skateboarding really and just anything to keep me out of the house. I started skating at a young age and, you know, I just skate all day and do everything. So I didn't have to really go home. And most of the times I was like sleeping out in storm drains that I would skate or once, you know, skate ramps and parks started to get built, I'd sort of spend my nights there really just sort of skate all day and just sleep under the ramps or whatever. And, um, so I've always kind of gone into that side of things of pushing the limits and just out a default for, for what I need to do for as part of survival, I guess. But you know, it was something that was good and it was ingrained into me at, at such a young age. But I didn't, I haven't really appreciated it until you know, in sort of recent years. You know, like I'd gone off the rails off and on um, most of my life, and uh, but always sort of pushed limits and always gone back to sports and. You know, I'd own gyms and had like a little fighting career and stuff like that, and i traveled the world, like training in different disciplines, but always come back to sports. But uh, you know, just still trying to find my place in in what was going on and tr- trying to make sense, I guess, of what it, what it would, what happened to me when I was younger and why I was just spiraling out of control all the time. And you know, I knew I had more in me, but it was just a matter of sort of searching for the, those answers and the the ways that people were telling me I should go to, you know the pills, the doctors, the therapists and all that that just sort of weren't cutting it for me you know it's only so many times you can go to so many people and that, without having a sustainable result you know so you know it's, uh life got pretty dark for me and then about six years ago I just kind of thought, you know what I'm just to bugger with everyone else you know, whatever they're saying and how I should live and what I should be and what I should do and how I should work and how I should dress and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of just went back to my own intuitive ways and just went, do it myself, you know. So I pretty much just broke myself all the way back down to my raw foundations and built myself the way that I knew I should be built and went back to, you know, the extreme sports and pushing the limits and being an athlete again, you know. And that was my prime focus, and and that's how I knew I was going to get stronger. And I got back in the water, and I was surfing again and uh, picked up a new sport of paddleboarding. I just really wanted to emerge myself in the ocean because I knew it had some healing qualities. You know, it does so much good for people, but it hadn't really been explained why. So I just really wanted to explore what that was and really have that process, you know, take hold while I was in pain from paddling and negative emotions from the past were coming forward as well, just... Really being out there and be vulnerable to you know the elements in themselves and you know what could what could happen to me, but leave everything on the shore at the same time.
1: And how did that go for you?
0: There was something you know pretty special in it, and uh, so I sort of thought I would just set myself like a little test. So set myself this test to paddle from the Gold Coast down to Sydney. So it's uh, five hundred miles, eight hundred kilometers, and uh, yeah, on January third, 2015 i walked down to my local beach with my paddleboard on my shoulder and plunked my 18 foot long by 20 inch wide paddleboard in the water and i just started paddling you know and that was by hand no no uh, no paddle or anything just my hands and yeah 17 days after being in the water i reached my destination but it was something you know there was uh you know, it wasn't a race. It wasn't any support in the water or on the land. It was just me and the board and, and whatever was thrown at me. You know, I trained up about nine months leading up to it. I got myself in the best physical and mental condition I thought I could be in for it. And just uh, that paddling, bell. I could never have imagined how my life would change from that paddling, especially after day five of the paddle and uh how the lives of other people who were living vicariously through my social media posts along the way were, seemed to be changing as well. So, you know, after 21 shark encounters, knocked off my board by white pointers, circled about four times, you know, lost food and water, nearly broke my neck and unconscious underwater a couple of times, dragged across reefs, everything, you know, and no one telling me I had to keep going, it was just me, just, you know, my determination to do what I set out to do. And then, yeah, when I pulled into Bondi and got sucked around into the cove, it was just it was the proudest moment of my life and it had taken me, you know, 38 years at that time to say that I was proud of myself and I'd really done something I was proud of.
1: Mm. How did how did the experience change you?
0: changed my outlook on life completely, you know. It, it was embedded into me and, I, and I'd gone into extreme sports because so I didn't really care if I lived to, through to the next day because it was embedded in me that, Today might be your last day. So just go, go for hell on it. You know, just do what you got to do. You know, if you go on snowboard and just go off that cliff and go for the backflips, you know, just whatever. But, uh, you know, so I'd only look like one day ahead. But after the paddle, I started looking, you know, I look a 100 years ahead every day. It's like people say, you know, how long are you going to live? 100 years. Like there's no doubt, you know, I just haven't never have a doubt in it. But I live for now as well. But I look for the future of a hundred years as well, you know. So I live for now but plan for a hundred years. So that's kind of how in my life, you know. But after the paddle, you know, so many things that happened in the water that I couldn't explain and no one else really could. So, and because I'd been on these spiral, self-destructive paths most of my life, I really wanted to test out if I thought what had happened had happened and I wasn't just going to relapse again. So until I started coming out and say, Hey, I've just beaten PTSD. I've just done what, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of therapists couldn't do. So just by doing a paddle for 17 days. And uh, so, yeah, so I just sort of started testing it out and I I did another paddle. I went to Phuket and I paddled around and then got off and I ran around that. So it was three days nonstop until my body completely shut down. I was about three miles from my finish line and, you know, just completely done. You know, I was standing there for 20 minutes on the sidewalk, just couldn't move, couldn't even take one step, but I wasn't, I uh, wasn't disappointed that I hadn't finished what I'd set out to do. I was just, I was more happy because, you know, no nothing negative from my past had come up for the first time and, and, I was in excruciating pain. So with physical pain, usually comes emotional pain from your past. And it just didn't at all, you know. So I knew I'd had a bit of a win on that. And I'd gone home or went back to my apartment I was staying at. And about four hours later, I was able just to hobble around just a little bit. So I got my mate to drop me back on his scooter and I ended up finishing. Like it was a three-day challenge that I'd set myself. And because I was moved, still able to move, I knew I had to finish it and not have that, uh, not that have that hanging over me that, you know, I was moving and I was able to keep going. So I should have just kept going. So instead I just went out and just finished it. And again, you know, the people through social media, you know, no one expected me to go back out there. I didn't know I was going to go back out there. The pain I was in and if that, that event had really changed people's lives, you know, and, um, you know, with people saying, "You know, it's only three miles to go. He can do it. I can do it."
1: That is incredible. So awesome that people were inspired by that. And you know, it's such a bizarre experience. What, what, what did that? What did that make you want to do next? So I knew
0: that again. You know, was something pretty special there. And so my next challenge was, uh, I'd tell myself, which I guess I'd always was always going to do, like a great. Skateboard, always loved muscle cars and history of like Route sixty six and everything. So then uh, in two thousand sixteen, June twenty seven two thousand sixteen, I started at uh, Chicago and skated Route sixty six all the way to Santa Monica. So that was fifty six days, non stop pushing for about thirteen to fifteen hours a day, and you know I went through storms and, and heat and and just pretty much everything along the way and navigating my way down Route 66, staying on the old historical part of it and uh, crossing Mojave Desert. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of of challenges on the board, but there's a lot of challenges off the board as well that I had to deal with. But for me, it was just about giving myself 56 days to go from point A to point B, and that's it. Simplify everything and really just think about, you know, what, what did I actually do intuitively in the session to be able to keep on going what had changed? And then how can I use those tools while I was on the skate for the challenges that I was facing? And then the next part of it was, all right, how do I break this down in a simple form for other people to to really get grasp a, a hold of, you know? So just like bottle it up. How could I bottle this up, you know, to share with other people and give them that hope? So I just, uh, you know, it was – it was a tough, it was a tough skate, and uh, I definitely learned how to switch legs, you know, from Mongo to, to normal skating. And uh, but yeah, as I said, there was challenges off the board, like I had it with me, and we we're filming the documentary, you know, it was a, that I was funding for uh, to be for National Geographic to pick up. And uh, you know, it was costing a lot of money with them, but the whole time the crew was so negative about you know, crossing the Mojave Desert. And that was the part I was looking forward to the most. You know, I'd never really been anywhere that hot for so long doing such an, uh, a long endurance event. And uh, so it was something I really wanted to look forward, what well, I was looking forward to and really wanted to test myself with. And that whole time they're just like, you're going to die. You can't do it. It's impossible. Some would have done it before. You're going to die like every day and we're like we got 40 days until we get there just like you know just let <laughs> me get through today so the, uh you know i got to kingman and then i kind of just had enough i was two days before i was going to do uh do the skate across the mojave southern mojave and i ended up just had to make the choice of throwing the film away and just fired my crew and got them all like transport back to lax and then uh flew them all back to australia and just continued to skate myself, and you know it wasn't an ego thing. It was just you know I was test I was testing myself, and I knew I could do it. And uh, you know I just didn't need that extra negativity because I knew how tough it was going to be. So the part they thought I was going to die on, and I could only skate between eight to ten miles a day, or so else I'd overheat. I ended up skating 180 miles in 24 hours nonstop, and I got through to barstow and the only reason i stopped in barstow was because there was fires in the california hills from one of the route 66 um cafes on the hill catching fire from uh, like kitchen fire and the whole place was burned down like lit up the whole california hills so i had to wait a night and then get up the next next morning and uh buy a gas mask so i could keep on skating through so i skated down the california hills while i was still sort of on fire and then went into San Benito and, and then skated my way through to, uh, to Santa Monica. So that was, uh, that was a bit of a bit of a push along for me. And, you know, again, you know, something i would always wanted to do. But I just had a lot of revelations on there and just really found out a lot of things and ended up creating an evolved form of breathwork and meditation called One Breath Meditation. I wrote a book on it and stuff and started to put that out also. But then that's me back to Australia and I still kept testing and still keep pushing uh, pushing the limits and finding out, you know, uh, different ways to, to process different uh, disciplines, you know, like, and that's why I like to change the disciplines that I do, because every time I change diff- different disciplines means I've got to learn to train my body and my mind in different ways, but also I'm able to see what's common between all of them, in the way of of training the body and mind, also doesn't matter what you know whether I'm going 120 foot down underwater or you know running a marathon carrying a mattress or whatever it might be, you know there's always those crossover commonalities that um, people sort of uh, I feel people separate in their lives, you know they get over they work out to get over one set of challenges, but when it comes to another part of their life. It's almost like they've got to restart and work out what those challenges are, even though it's pretty much the same, really, you know, whether it's relationships, business, physical sense, it's all that.
1: Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode.
0: It's all that same mindset that you need to need to use and adapt for yourself. So the more you can understand that you can put it into practice in all sides of your life, well then I think that, well for me anyway, it seems to be the easier things can be because i I'm already practicing it all the time, testing and my challenge myself for uh, whatever it is, you know. So the the big challenges for people seem to be a little bit smaller for me and I just go into everything with but I've got no doubt anyway. I don't think too much about these challenges. I just I know my purpose and my intentions behind them, and uh, just kind of pick an event that I think would be cool and be able to get the message out there to the wide community. And start that very day. I don't wait till Monday to get started. As soon as it's in my mind, I my head's there and starting and away I go. How do
1: you how do you select what you're going to do next? Because you know, paddleboarding to uh, pushing a truck to carrying a mattress as you run a marathon all those things are so random in a lot of ways but also uh you know you, you i mean you, you your mind must be constantly thinking about what to do next and how, how do you decide how do you choose what to do
0: Uh really it just comes down to the, the message is always the same it's just how can i tell it in a different way to a different audience so that's pretty much how it is so yeah, the first one was the paddle in the ocean you know in the ocean i felt like it healed me and I found my peace, so that's what I wanted to share. So that was the paddle community, surf community, and then the Thailand one was mostly running in it. So, you know, running is the most accessible sport to anyone. You just get a pair of runners and start walking around bike or start running, so that got to a wider community and a more of an endurance athlete sort of side of things. You know, the marathon runners and the people doing obstacle courses and all that sort of stuff sort of started taking hold. And then the skate was about connecting back with the youth and uh, my roots as well. So, you know, the skate through in, in the, in that. And then the, then going back to Australia, it was just, you know, I, I wanted to involve the, the Gold Coast community and the local community with, with, what they'd been watching me do over the last few years overseas. So, yeah, so I set up the other one where I just did a big community event, really. I, I rode a rickshaw bike and then, yeah, we did that push of the pickup truck and, you know we just started with a few people on that push and people were just jumping out of the cars It was on the radio or whatever people jumped down the cars we ended up like with 30 people pushing this pickup truck down the road that you know everyone knew what it was about you know we blocked off the whole whole main road of the gold coast with us pushing this this truck down it and then then we uh then i did a paddle straight after that and had this put, put this big community paddle on and you know, so it was really, uh, you know, people still talk about that on the Gold Coast. You know, so it really made such a great local impact, which is what I wanted. And then, yeah, the marathon <laughs> marathon was one of the toughest things I'd done. I'd never ran like I'd run around an island and stuff, but that was about eighty five miles, I think. But I, uh,
1: why was that one so tough?
0: The mattress marathon because it's just like. <laughs> I done it on like ten. My mate was running it. And he, I said, "Oh, as you should run the marathon." This is like about ten days out or something, a week out. And I was like, "Oh, I don't run marathons." I said, are "You doing?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "Well, are you are doing the full marathon?" He goes, "No, it's just the half." I said, "Why don't you just do the full?" He goes, "Why don't you bloody do the full?" And I'm like, "Right, <laughs> right." And as soon as I think I'm going to do something, I'm like, my head just goes, "What's? How can I do this even harder?" So I said to him, I was like, "What's the?" What's the most awkward thing to carry besides life on your shoulders? And we both looked at each other and said, mattress. No one when everyone's moving a house, that's the last thing you want to move, that bloody mattress. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well that's it. I'm just gonna run and I'll carry a mattress and I'll have a big sign on it saying, Never lay down, never give up. And he's like, all Right and that kind of come about. I have got a mattress the day before. Got my mate the upholstery to put like the, the writing on the side. And then, yeah, ran this marathon. But I put it like a hole in it in the, in the middle. And I thought I was going to run with it like a supboard, Like I put this pole pole through it and a hole in the middle. And I thought I'd just hang on the pole on the inside and just run along like a, like a stand-up paddleboard underneath my arm. But because I hadn't had time to train for it, I'd gone about, shit, 50 yards and my arm just started blowing up like hanging on to this 37-pound mattress. <laughs> so I had to just roll it up on my shoulder and i hadn't trained for that either so i just threw this thing up on my shoulder just intuitively i guess and then just kept on running but it was and then just i'd roll it over my head i had this good system where every 20 seconds i'd roll it over my head onto the other shoulder and roll to the other shoulder and blah 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 and just kept on running down like uh, in this marathon with that until i got to about i don't know eight, eight miles 10 miles i guess and i was just like shooting lightning bolts up my calves and up my, my hammies and in my glutes, like, just pulling them every single step that I was taking. I'd have to, like, nurse them along until I could sort of go into a little jog again and then they start shooting up again because problem was, because I'm a midfoot striker, with the weight of this, like, mattress and trying to balance the wobbleness on my shoulder as well, I had to flat-foot run so, I'm using completely different muscles than I'm used to running with, like with by carrying nothing. So, it was just uh, it was pretty awkward, <laughs> like, and I just didn't stop. I knew if I stopped, that was going to be it. Like, I just had to keep on running. So, I ended up running the whole thing and I didn't stop. It took about six hours or something to run it, but I got in in time before the cutoff time. Like, I even beat some runners out there, even though I was carrying this mattress. But it was just at the end, it just felt like I was carrying. 237 pounds like it was literally just crushing me down and even though it was only a six hour event beforehand you know i was probably bench pressing uh, let's say 240 pound or something i was able to bench press but afterwards like even after having a rest for a week and refueling and everything i'd gone back to the gym and i was probably lucky to bench like 80 pound like it had just taken so much out of me just that one event you know and it's just uh but uh there's other things that happen on these events like i get a bit tweaked out as well on <laughs> these events like on the run around thailand like afterwards because i got i fried myself because it was so hot and i got sunstroke the first day and then just pushing myself too much the nervous system sort of went a bit shot. so about for about seven months I like i used to be like epic at maths like just like a g- at maths, at and uh and like knowing people's names and all that sort of stuff but afterwards i couldn't count i became dyslexic and i couldn't remember anyone's name and my little toe on my left foot was just numb there's nothing else i could do it's just numb completely numb For that was probably numb for about two years so i had to kind of i had to learn how to have <laughs> to read and count again and remember people's names so all that sort of things, I things come back on, and that's all good. But yeah, it just took a little while and just a little bit of uh soft training myself just to put my nervous system back in back in place a little bit. I think
1: unbelievable. What a, what a random thing to do with a mattress in a marathon. Well, well, I, I want to hear too. I know I know your your childhood was very traumatic, and that's a big part of your story and a big part of what you do and why and why you do it what happened at the age of 36 or 38 where you decided to do the paddleboarding trip? Like what happened then of all things, why did you decide to do it then?
0: I was living in a city called Melbourne. I just sort of recently gone through a divorce that I was married for for about a minute. <laughs> and I just, you know, I was pushing myself and I was, I was working hard. I was working four jobs and, I was doing everything to make money. I was thinking if I just made all this money, then I could have what I wanted and blah, blah, blah. But I kind of just was burning out. And because I had more money, I was taking more drugs and doing a whole heap of stupid stuff at the same time. And then uh, it all got too much for me anyway. And I ended up having a suicide attempt. And then luckily I was found like seconds before flatlining. And I was thrown up and everything afterwards. And then... Right at that moment, it was kind of like a a voice in my head. Just it's actually something my ex-wife said to me. You know, she said this one day when I reached out to her for the first person to talk to about you know what had happened to me in the past. You know, she just kind of turned to me and said, "Give us thought, you ain't yourself." And as harsh as that was at
1: the time,
0: you know, that's what kind of rang in my head. Just like a couple of years later, you know, on this, so that's what I did. All I, I so I just thought about. I was thought, what what do I need to make all this money for? And I was thinking, all right, if I've got all the money, then I can go back to where I want to live on the Gold Coast. I can start surfing, and I can go to the gym, and I can train again. I was thinking, why can't I just do that now? I don't need a ton of money. I've got enough now. I'll just go now. So I packed up my car and I left that next day and just drove right to where I needed to be and just got back in the ocean, you know. And again, like I just thought about you know, a place where I was felt at most peace and free and left everything on the shore and was warm. And, uh, and that was it. That was back on the Gold Coast in the warm waters and just surfing and hanging out with my mates again. And, you know, just, uh, living a, a, more of a natural life, you know, that I was, I thought I should be doing. So that was kind of just the start of it. And then, yeah. And then when I picked up, paddleboarding and stuff, you know, I just again I just like to set myself little challenges instead of just paddleboarding. I wanted to have a per more of a purpose to it and, you know, it was just about telling people, you know, to get down the ocean it's healed me and and I'd also like there's not I mean that's starting to come about now, but back then, like even six years ago, there wasn't too many men talking about going through sexual child abuse or anything as well. Yeah. So you know, and even it was, it was sort of strange for me to talk about at the start. So I was like, so I put it out there and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I remember the first little clip I, I, I did of it with a mate telling the story. I went, oh, shit. I hope people don't look at me differently now. Like, you know, uh, what I worked out was people were looking, actually looking at me differently, but it was because of how, I, how my body language was for the subject. And me, them hearing about it and going, "Oh my god, I saw the clip," and I'm so sorry to hear. And then I'm like, "Oh," and then I would sort of cower down, like, "Oh, shit, I don't know how I'm supposed to react to this because this is all new to me." Talking, not just talking to one person intimately, putting it out publicly. <laughs> so people I've known most of my life are coming up, going, "Shit, I didn't know," blah, blah blah blah. But then what ended up happening was it's kind of it was kind of like you know you want to buy a new car and you don't see many silver cars on the road. So you think, I'm going to buy a silver car. As soon as you buy one, they're everywhere. The same sort of thing happened with this. I knew it was a a bit of an issue, but until I'd come out and spoken about it, I just didn't know how much, like the, the amount of people that were coming up to me going, I went through the same thing. Thank you for speaking out. You know, I'm worried about my, my son, my, my niece, my this, my that, you know, my father went through the same thing. My mother went through the same thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, like, it's unbelievable, like, how many people have actually gone through it. You know, they say the numbers – well, the numbers back then were one in five. Now they've changed to one in four. You know, that's a lot of people when you think of eight billion people in the world. You know, like, I just couldn't stop, you know. once it was out and I just got comfortable with it and I just accepted, like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. You know, like, the people I'd been through, you know, all the gurus and the therapists and, and everything along the way, you know, they hadn't worked it out. So – I just kind of took it upon myself to go right. Well, I'm going to work this out for myself. You know, I'm going to have one last crack at it of, of life, and and uh, really change everything. So, you know, even though the paddle, you know, I knew there was a high percentage that I wouldn't make it because I was paddling over shark breeding grounds the whole way long. But uh, uh, you know, it was I started off the paddle, and it wasn't like a suicide mission. But I was willing to die for what I believed in to get this out there. But then after day five, you know, something completely changed in me and then I was just, I was doing it to, to live, you know. It was part of my life and this was like that I was able to share with other people, you know. So it became so much bigger than me and and the paddle itself, you know. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't look at my events as, they're not individual events that I do, they one flows onto another they seem all random but for me they got purpose and and they flow from one to another my training flows from one to another as well and just just keep exploring and keep on sharing like each of them uh even though they're, they're they have their own greatness and i'm super proud of, of all of them but they're they're just stepping stones to or the next one and, and how can i share this more with other people and what more can I find out about myself and then share that with other people as well. So myself in, in uncomfortable situations and, and process how I get out of it, you know, and that's how, uh, that's how the skydiving one came about as well. Like,
1: it, it is a totally different challenge in a new way. And, uh, you know, if you, if you did something else, if you skateboarded again across the U S maybe you'd be the more or less the same thing. Different experiences for sure, but but you'd know what to expect in a lot of ways. So uh, you're pushing yourself in a totally new direction. Um, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Can I ask you this? Do you even even to draw it all the way back when you first started doing these? What was the reaction by the people around you who knew you before, saying like, "Why are you doing all this"?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, that's that's the reason why I do these things and that's the reason why i do these like far out things not, not just because like i don't do it like as i said for, for an ego thing or anything like that to be the first person to do this or another world record or anything like that i don't really care too much about those sorts of things i like to do things that no one's done before because i can't ask anyone how to do it and if no one's done it before i don't even know it's possible so i've got to process that as well that okay yeah i can do this yeah no one's done it before but yeah i can do this how do i make it possible so Anytime someone says something's impossible, to me it's just someone else hasn't someone hasn't worked out how to do it. That's all. So like Route 66 should have been skated fifty years ago. To me, it just seems like a natural thing. Go skate Route 66. It's the most famous highway in the world and with all the nostalgia and everything along that. Why wouldn't you skate it? You know, but no one else had done it before. But yeah, look, you know, just that's why I love doing the the different events and, you know, and pushing limits in that way that for people to ask that question, why do you do it? That's it. That is the reason why I do these things. So people and media and people like yourselves and general people ask, why do you do it? It's like, well, I do it because of this and I'm able to say the cause. If I was just out there spooking about the cause and saying the, the negatives around child abuse or positives, you know, how to overcome child abuse and everything like that. No one's really going to listen, but you do something that's extreme. People get eyes on. They ask that question: Why would you do that? I do it because of this. They stand up and listen and go. And it's not just because of that, but they they take more of an interest in it to go. Wow, okay. But also for me, it's you know, um, it gives a bit more clarity to to people, and it's you know, it makes it more authentic when I explain to them that you keep on going, you know, you're able to keep going and nothing's impossible. And it's undeniable that I'm able to keep on going, but also be able to share how I'm able to do that. And it's not just because I'm some freak or anything. It's just, I'm putting myself purposely in physical, mental, emotional stress and trauma to work out how I get out of it. And I can share that. And then I'll share that with you in, in a simple form. I'll go to the extreme. So Other people don't have to. But, you know, again, it's just it became a normal part of my life when I was a kid, you know, to push myself to that extremes and go through such torturous things that that became my normal. But I've just been able to not shy away from it, not block any of that, but instead just twist it around and enhance it and go, I've been through that. And Even like the paddle beforehand, it was like, nothing can be worse than what I went through as a kid. And then I kept, I was able, and I'm still here now. So I'm going to do this paddle. <laughs> the paddle was pretty gnarly though. So now it's kind of like that set my bar pretty high. My standard of pretty high of what normal is also. So, you know, everything I kind of do is just, is related back to there. And it's like, well, I can't be any more, you know, hair raising and uh, crazy than, than that, you know, and it never will be, you know, there's, nothing I'll do in my life that will ever compare to that paddle. And for a couple of reasons, one is that uh, my first event, I'd never done any endurance events or anything like that before. I pushed myself over the years, but nothing really like that. Plus the ocean's, you know, such an unforgivable place and a place where you just, you know, I surf, but not when you go on long for that amount of time. But also, you know, it was the first time I'd really face and I'd overcome my past traumas. And that will never happen again. I'll never have that experience ever again, you know, so that after that day five, you know, I'll I'll never have that um, weight lifted off my shoulder ever again, you know, of that self-doubt or anything like that. And so everything in life that I do is just a challenge. But, um, yeah, I just have no doubt on myself being able to do it. They seem far-fetched for other people, I guess. But that's because they probably just don't test and challenge themselves enough on a daily basis. I mean, we all do. It's just that most people don't process the challenges that we go through and we set ourselves a in the day. It's, I mean, it's they're simple as should I get a coffee? Should I not? Should I walk across the road here? Should I go up to the traffic lights? Blah blah blah. Every time you're second guessing yourself, it's kind of like a little challenge. But you just people just you know take those little challenges for granted instead of you know, being able to sort of process a little bit and see how one ties into another. And then when big challenges happen, they already got the tools there ready to go. I mean, most people have have been through the worst day and experience of their life, and yet they're still here but they walls up and still create bigger challenges in front of them and like they don't have the tools, but they're still here, still kicking along after what they've been through then they've already got the tools, they just haven't processed, or they're just not using them and they're not pulling them out of their pockets when, when they need to, or they're just over dramatizing it and and putting trust into other people rather than into themselves, like looking for other people to get them through rather than looking within themselves uh, of their strength that they've got in themselves to be able to keep on going. I think that go and that's pretty much across the board of everyone in life but definitely like you know adventure challenges uh, people you know they they know about that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of serial adventurists you know endurance adventurists like you said they kind of just do the same the same challenges like they just run or they run for like multiple days or, or whatever and uh, I say that because because the, they just don't really understand what they're running for. You know, the kind of no purpose except for to do another one. You know, I just, I've just, I've just got a bit more of a purpose why I do things. Like I don't need to do any more long endurance events because I feel like I've, I got what I needed out of doing them. I did enough of them um, to be able to back up why I did it for myself and work out those tools. And then that's why I've gone back to to extreme sports also
1: do you know anybody specifically who who has been affected by your story and what it has caused them to do?
0: So I had a mate who he actually ran around Thailand with me and he's ultra running, he's probably done over 170 ultra marathons and he went through child abuse as well. And uh last year two years ago, he ran across America from New York to San Francisco. It took him about five months and he ran like a Marathon distance, 20, 26 miles every day, five days a week. Had the weekend off, and then kept on running. He ran along that, and went through, you know, same things—snow and sleet and storms and um, everything—the desert and all that. And when he got to, uh, when he got to San Francisco across the bridge, you know, it was like I thought it was incredible what he did—absolutely incredible. But he was starting to post sort of weird things. So I thought I'd leave for a couple of months. And anyway, after a few months, I turned up at his door. So he's from um, Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he uh, and I knocked on his door and, and we just caught, caught, hung out for a little bit. And, you know, I, I finally said to him, I said, oh, so how'd you go Like with the run? And he's like, I feel like it was a waste of time. I was like, what do you mean, why? And he goes, because... I thought when I was going to cross over the bridge in San Francisco, it was going to be like a bubble was burst, and you know I'd be free from my trauma from my past, like you were with the paddle. And he said, but I wasn't, you know. So I feel like it was a bit of a waste of time, and I kind of I didn't want to push it, but just later on, you know, I explained to him why, you know, it was, it was probably he didn't he probably didn't get the result that he wanted to with it. One was he put too much. Um, emphasis on that and too much stress on himself that that's what he wanted to happen and you know was kind of waiting for it rather than just processing what he was doing along the way but also you know he'd done over 170 ultra marathons before so he'd trained in the same place he'd wore the same shoes he'd done all these things you know and he's he used to running 50 to 100 miles in one day in, in these challenges yet he was only running 26 miles sure he was doing it day after day but he was pushing himself actually less than what he was used to anyway. And he was just doing the same thing. So he was trying to get a different result out of just doing the same thing and not reprogramming and not retuning his body because his body was used to doing CrossFits and going for long runs. He'd done it most of his life. So nothing was going to change. So he said to me, what, what should I do then? I said, I would just – I said, you live down in Florida. I'd just grab a paddleboard and i just paddle across the Bahamas. But so it's only like 50 kilometers, like 26 miles or something. Just paddle across, but don't tell social media or anything. Just grab a board and just start paddling. When you get over there, just spend the night there, turn around and paddle back. You know, that way it's just, it's going to be something completely different. You know, there's, um, you don't need to tell anyone about it. You just go and do it, you know, but he would have, had to reprogram himself of how to learn these new things. And with exploring to learn a new discipline, you know, your, your rewiring has to get reset because you've got to start thinking a different way and you've got to get out of that tunnel vision to open your mind up to new ways of training and new ways of thinking to be able to go and successfully do what you set out to do. Did he do it? He didn't paddle across. He hasn't yet. I <laughs> he's a bit worried. <laughs> he hasn't yet. I'll have to go down there and drag him. I'll just, I'll grab him and just take him to the beach and go, Oh, there's a couple of paddleboards. boards. Let's go for a paddle. <laughs> you know?
1: Damien. I, I got to tell you that, uh, I, I hate to admit it, but, um, that was exactly the experience I was planning on doing this month was paddling oh, yeah? from the Bahamas to Florida. Um, the yeah, paddleboard sick. or kayak and i actually had to cancel because we've got a baby on the way uh, all right. but it was right at that threshold where i told my wife i'm like hey i called it off and she was mad at me she wouldn't talk to me for a couple days because she wants me doing this stuff and i said i just didn't feel ready i felt like i needed to get the house ready and just get some stuff yeah. together and now you're, yeah, like, now you're making me say well, i needed i should have done it no I, I gotta do it now i gotta do it
0: yeah you gotta do it but what you should do you just paddle over there and meet them, and then paddle back with them.
1: There you go. There but you I go. think you
0: should paddle there. You should paddle across by yourself. It's only 50 fifty, fifty kilometers you paddle. Five. It's going to take you ten hours to paddle across.
1: That's not bad at all.
0: It's not bad at all. Like you, you could probably do it in eight. Like by because I paddle by hands, and I paddle about like five kilometers an hour or something like that with a stand-up paddleboard with an actual paddle you're going to be going faster than that you're probably going eight or nine kilometers an hour so yeah 50 kilometers yeah you i mean you're probably doing it in eight hours i reckon nice, you only need a few few supplies like you probably only need you know i don't know half a gallon of, of water or something on there with electrolytes in it and just some bars and stuff just really just fuel up big time in the morning like what i every morning i would have like 250 grams of rice, four bananas, and six eggs. And I would just have that and just eat that down until I was nearly sick. And then I'd start paddling, but it lasted me about four or five hours before I kind of needed anything. So you're nearly halfway across and you probably just need a couple of nibbles and stuff. And then uh, get yourself across there and then paddle back with them. Don't (laughs) even tell them.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh man, I love it. I love it. Well, I tell you what, let me look and see if they got any open spots and I'll I'll, I'll see what kind of training I can get in and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just, yeah, have you should some come join us after going. you jump
1: off the hot air balloon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I may do. Once I told him, I was like, oh, shit, I wouldn't mind doing that.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, well, well, I tell you what. When, when, how can people follow along? I got to wrap up here. How do, how can people follow along with your upcoming adventure? What, where can they see it or watch it or, or, or follow you?
0: So probably the best way is just to go on my just on my social media. With Instagram says Damien Ryder, D A M I E N R I D E R, and uh, same with my Facebook as well. So. People just go on there, then we'll uh, we're going to send links, set links up because on the Sunday, we're going to live stream as well while I'm going oh, up perfect. and cruising along. Perfect. So, we're and uh, we'll make like a little mini documentary of it, but we'll put out some clips beforehand of of the whole thing so people can see me fumble my way off this hot air balloon. And the <laughs> whole, whole thing is, I don't even know how I'm going to go getting off, you know, like you can see how yeah, stand up air cool, standing up. And I'm like, mm, anything could happen while I get off the thing. I mean, it's just it's only blown up with a and hot air. That's it. You know, they're pretty flimsy. <laughs> it's not like it's a specially made, thickened balloon that's gonna hold my weight. It's just gonna collapse I just have to start sort of tiptoeing across pretty quick until it collapses and I fall off like a slide before it gobbles me up, I guess. Gosh.
1: Sounds awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. Well uh, I tell you what, Damien, you got you got me inspired, man. I gotta go I gotta go do set some sort of goal now. I gotta get a mattress and uh find out where i can just carry it somewhere yeah <laughs> I mean.
0: no don't do that it's the worst thing i've ever done It's like a nightmare
1: right At least you got something to lay on though when you need to take a break
0: yeah exactly but uh yeah but i mean like for all your listeners out there you know just test and challenge yourself and have fun you know the more you're pushing yourself the, as i said you know the, the easier Or the more that life challenges just sort of fall away to nothing you know and what becomes a challenge just seems like a fun learning experience you go oh shit, here we go again you know so that's kind of why i do it someone says this is the hottest chili you wouldn't eat it i'll go oh yeah i will (laughs) wait (laughs) whatever
1: first of all